Thank you, Senator Cotton. Senator Schmidt, please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, good morning, General. General, do we have too many white officers in the Air Force? Senator, what I really look at is the uh, quality of all the officers that we have, and, and, and we look at the, the aspect of everyone who's qualified, um, meets, the, uh, meets the qualifications, uh, is, is promoted. And what well, I, I would agree with you, but that, that, is, that answer is not consistent with your August 9th memo. In your August 9th memo, you said that you signed on to that there should be a reduction, essentially, of about 9% of the white officers. That's 5,400. We have 5,400, you know, too many white officers. And this is the real impact, I think, of this desire of the administration. I'm saddened to see this in this memo of this, of this obsession with sort of race-based politics being interjected into our military. How did you come up with the percentage of 67.5% of the officers should be white? And how did you come up with 13% should be black? And how did you come up with 10% should be Asian? And how did you come up with 1.5% should be American Indian and Native Alaskan? How did you come up with 1% being Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander? And how did you come up with 15% of our officers should be Hispanic or Latino? Senator, that is based on the, uh, that memo is on application goals, not the actual makeup of the force. And those, those numbers are based on uh, the demographics of the nation. Okay, well, all right. There's 10% of our country is Asian American. So is that, is that, the, is that where you came up with it, just a, just a percentage of the population? Uh, essentially. Because right now the actual percentage I mean, this is, this is where this is a ridiculous conversation, to be perfectly honest, because the, why didn't you come up with, or are you going to come up with the percentage of the overall force? Did you contemplate that? Of how many, you know, black Americans should be in the Air Force? Or how many Asian Americans should be in the Air Force? Did you contemplate the total force percentages? Senator, what we looked at was the aspect of providing opportunities for anybody who wants to serve as Listen, I, I, if that were the case, listen, um, if that were what was in this memo, I wouldn't be asking you these questions. But we have in a memo signed by you that you think right now there are too many white officers, um, and, and this is a blanket statement. And so I could go down the line of questioning of which of the 5,400 white officers that we have too many should be fired. Because that is the actual impact of all this. I agree with you. Your story about wanting to be the best pilot in the Air Force, regardless of race. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show live here on the evening hour at 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, Red Voice Media Network is now live on the Roku channel also. And it's more War Mondays, folks, here at the Rob Manus Show. And the Joint Chiefs Chairman nominee, this is my opinion, increases risk for America. Uh, President Biden nominated General C.Q. Brown of the United States Air Force to serve as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest-ranking military officer, last May. The current chairman, General Mark Milley, ends his term in October. And, man, Milley's time as chairman has been disastrous accelerating the influence of woke ideology within the ranks of the armed forces, the worst recruiting crisis since the all-volunteer military was established, and the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Unfortunately, President Biden's pick for Milley's replacement doesn't inspire confidence that the new leadership will reverse the decline in the quality of America's military leaders or reorient our national security posture towards emerging threats and give that priority. General Brown's record of poorly managing the Air Force along with his full embrace of radical ideologies like critical race theory and gender theory that underscore the perils of his nomination. Many organizations are opposing Brown's nomination or questioning it, including the Center for Military Readiness which organized a letter to the Senate Armed Services Committee in advance of its hearing with Brown last week. The president of CMR, Elaine Donnelly, joins me tonight to talk about the increased risk to America's national security that Brown's tenure likely presents. Elaine, 
Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. Hi, so good to talk to you today. Thank you. Yes, it's very good to see you. Uh, we do have you audio and video. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, that little clip there, uh, I wanted to show it at the beginning of the show because I watched the entire hearing. It was two hours and 18 minutes and some odd seconds long. That clip is three minutes out of a five minute, uh, five minute or so clip uh, with Senator Schmidt from right. Missouri. Uh, and other than a very short question from Senator Rounds of North Dakota, this man was not questioned. I watched that hearing and I thought I was back in time in the 1980s and 90s uh, when folks like Sam Dunn and John McCain uh, were being collegial and those kind of things. Right. Back, when, back when one side that believed in the Constitution thought that everybody believed in the Constitution and compromise was still possible as long as we all were on the same page. Well, I'm just glad that Senator Schmidt did ask the questions that he did. And he held yeah. General Brown's feet to the fire, even if it was only for three minutes. Uh, Senator Rounds also yeah. talked about a constituent, a young woman, who was forced to share her living quarters and showers with a biological man or men. And, uh, you know, he, he said, what is she supposed to do? She's made to feel uncomfortable. On both counts, General Brown dissembled and equivocated. And you're being in the military. You know those words are not compliments. It means yeah. being less than straightforward. It means giving a, an answer that can be easily misconstrued or is designed, uh, designed to deceive. Uh, and the, here's why. I'm familiar with the memorandum that Senator Schmidt was questioning him about. And if you compare the percentage of white officers and what the goal was, I think the goal for white officers was over 80%, and then it was to be reduced down to 67%, and then the other groups were supposed to go up accordingly. There's only one way you do that. You pass over people for promotions, or you don't put them in the place they want to be initially. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to manipulate people's lives in order to meet gender or, excuse me, racial quotas that cannot be justified in the military. I would have loved to have heard Senator, or heard Senator Schmidt say, well, if everybody is qualified, as the Senator, excuse me, as General Brown said, maybe minimally qualified is mm -hmm. as good as the best qualified. Uh, well, why do you need racial quotas? Because race has nothing to do with how good a pilot you are. He's a pilot, by the way, uh, yeah. or any other kind of uh, position you may have in the military. It's nothing to do with it. So the whole racial house of cards is starting to crumble, except that if this gentleman, this, this distinguished gen uh, General Brown, He's got a, an outstanding record as a pilot and so on. But he is one of the biggest advocates of critical race theory, diversity, equity, inclusion, all kinds of social engineering, the transgender um, policy. What is his position on young women having to share showers with men? Nobody really squarely asked him that question, but maybe they'll do it in writing and written questions, I hope for the record, uh, because we all need to know. Congress has the responsibility under the Constitution. It's called, uh, well, it says that they make policy for the armies and, and the navies of the United States military. Right. The executive branch executes, the judicial branch really is not directly involved. So Congress has the right not only to ask questions, cut off funding for things that are objectionable, uh, to advocate for sound policy, which I'm happy to tell you about in this, this pending National Defense Authorization Act process. There's all kinds of really good proposals in there uh, that the Congress is showing they are really serious about doing something about wokeism in the military. And boy, do they have a lot of work to do. But <laughs> yeah. they've, got a, they've got all these amendments and they're, they're there to make policy. That's their job. Yeah. And they've got a lot of data and information and um, well, the kinds of situation that I, I just mentioned only a few. But here we have, we have a, uh, the issue of meritocracy in the military. Let's start with that. Sure. There yeah. are, on the House side, two amendments having to do with saying non-discrimination and recognition of merit. And there's one on the Senate side. Now, they will be um, merged together in the conference committee. There's something in each bill. 
House and Senate. So I won't get into all the details, but this will be a very good thing. Uh, whatever they come up with, it's going to be a step in the right direction. Uh, then there are measures, there's about seven amendments in the House, plus three in the Senate, having to do with chief diversity officers, CDOs. These are the guys, the political officers, who decides who gets promoted, and often it's in order to promote the diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, okay? Yeah. So the chief diversity officers are key people, and you have several members of the House and a couple in the Senate who said, enough of those. We don't need them. We're going to defund them. We're going to close those offices. And this is a positive development. Under critical race theory, there's about seven amendments in the House. I'm not sure there's any on the Senate side. I just finished a report on all this, by the way, so we're going to be yeah. publishing it very soon. <laughs> I've been and studying it, too, myself, right. uh, well, Elaine. The... <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to have to... We're live now, so I have to go to a commercial break okay. here, uh, and I'm going to do a, an ad read first uh, before we go, uh, but we'll be right back to the Rob Mana Show with uh, Center for Military Readiness President uh, and CEO uh, Elaine Donnelly. Attention Americans, breaking news, Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is being implemented as we speak, and don't be fooled. It's not going to benefit you. Act now before it's too late. The Federal Reserve's Phase deployment of FedNow starts on July 1st, and uh, that's right, July 1st it started. Brace yourselves. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's going to catch you off guard. Your hard-earned assets are at risk, uh, but there's a way to legally opt out of the digital dollar in time. And how do you ask? With one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole, contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2USA-GOLD. That's right. Call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833-2-USA-GOLD right now. That's right, 833-2-USA-GOLD right now. We interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Because that is the actual impact of all this. I agree with you. Your story about wanting to be the best pilot in the Air Force, regardless of race. That is what the military is supposed to be. It's this great meritocracy. It's why there's uniforms and haircuts. And, I, and I've heard so many of my colleagues talk about, you know, infusing abortion politics into this. That is exactly what's wrong. This administration has infused abortion politics into our military, COVID politics into our military, DEI politics into our military, and it is a cancer on, a, on a, the best military in the history of the world. Those men and women deserve better than this. This idea that they have to go through these struggle sessions with DEI training. Because trust me, I believe that we ought to have the broadest pool 
of applicants and get the best and the brightest, and we ought to be recruiting in, in various areas to make sure we have the best and the brightest from every community, regardless of your race or your gender or your ethnicity. But that's not what DEI is. DEI is a ideology based in cultural Marxism. And somehow, some way, we ended up in a place where a general in the Air Force is advocating for racial quotas, whether it be by applicants or the number of officers, or maybe the, the total unit. And I just think that's wrong. I think that's the wrong approach. You have had a distinguished career, and I thank you for your service. I just don't know how we can continue to have leadership that advocates for this divisive policy. And so I'll ask you also, there have been 8,500 military men and women. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show live here on the Red Voice Media Network, uh, where we try to bring you the facts and the truth, and you can make up your mind about what's really happening in the world instead of having some government propaganda narrative shoved down your throat by the big corporate media uh, and all of the other buddies from the big government that we've got out there these days. Uh, we're uh, talking about the uh, new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff nominee. That was a little piece of of the nomination hearing that the Senate Armed Services Committee had there. And we're talking with the president of the Center for Military Readiness, uh, Elaine Donnelly, here today. Uh, Elaine, thank you again for joining us for the show. I think it's very important. Uh, and, I, and I wanted to do it on this day because I, I, my theme for Mondays is more war Mondays. It, I, I mean, this man and those of his ilk uh, uh, increase the risk of the United States in a very dangerous world that we have today. As a matter of fact, my dad served through the Cold War. I served through the Cold War all the way up until the Ber Berlin Wall fell uh, and the Soviet Union disintegrated. We covered the, the entire Cold War, uh, at, but we are in greater danger today in the global security uh, construct than at any time during the Cold War. Uh, the, the world is unstable. More countries are unstable. Uh, our country stability uh, is is weakening uh, every single day. It seems like, uh, and you were talking about these amendments for for the National uh, Defense Authorization Act before we went to the break. Uh, I mean, we hear Schmidt, Senator Schmidt, talking there. He, he's been referring to a memo that General Brown signed uh, along with the Secretary of the Air Force that actually said there were. 5,400 too many white male officers yes. well, in the United States Air Force. If you see that as a problem, the only way to solve it is to discriminate against the white officers. Now, nobody wants to say that out loud, but certainly that is what's happening. So the Senate, um, they have a couple of amendments. One of them uh, requires a pay grade cap related to anybody who deals with these DEI factors, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's GS10, which is not a high salary, because some of these salaries are, you know, 150 grand up. So right. the, the salary level um, for these people who are in the Pentagon pushing DEI all the time, uh, I think that would help to reduce the number. Uh, they also um, have an amendment that that says no new positions. There has to be a review before mm -hmm. they add any more. Um, the cousin to DEI, of course, is critical race theory, the underpinning right. that uh, pits races against each other, that says the only way to, have, to get rid of white supremacy is to accuse people of being white supremacists based on the color of their skin. It's extremely divisive. It's very prejudicial. In a military setting, it's worse. And to, to have this kind of instruction in our military schools, the service academies, uh, including the schools for little kids, on the House side and the Senate side, the, our lawmakers are saying, no, we've had enough of this. We're not going to do it anymore. Um, so I'm very optimistic. Even if not all of the measures get passed, it's, it's going to be a step in the right direction. Uh, there's also been, I want to just, I know you have limited time. Uh, there's some other interesting things in here. Uh, gender identity and transgender policies about this young woman who has to shower with a young man. Uh, that's a result mm -hmm. of the expanded transgender policies put in place by the president, President Joe Biden, in an executive yeah. order earlier this year. And we've analyzed this. And what you see in the regulations, time after time after time, I've, I lost count how many times it says 
once your gender marker is changed, you're a man, you say, no, I'm a woman, and someone says, okay, you're a woman, that means changing your gender marker, then right. you have access to the private facilities of the opposite sex, to women. Yeah, and last year, I was sent an anonymous copy of the U.S. Army's training uh, uh, training session yeah. slides uh, yes. for non-commissioned officers and commanders. Uh, right. And it specifically states in the Army regulation that your gender marker can be changed uh, almost on on you saying it uh, right. that I now right. identify. Uh, I mean, you don't have to have you don't have to go through this entire years long process that uh, starts with uh, uh, with psychological uh, assessment, then moves to medication, and then moves to surgery. Uh, your gender marker can go. I'm a woman. And then the next thing you know, the commanders and the NCOs are being trained. The right. slides say this. You have to you have to use the preferred pronouns. You have to house them under their new gender identity. That right. is ludicrous. And you know what's even worse, Rob? Your Air Force, um, Travis Air Force Base. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a paper uh, about whether well, it was a, a paper written by five doctors. I think four of them were at Travis. One was at Walter Reed saying that even seven-year-olds can make determinations about whether they should change their sex or not. And it, it is absolutely ludicrous. But these are serious doctors, PhDs, writing papers like this. And mm -hmm. the Air Force, of which General Brown has been the head of for how many years? Yes. Three years. Uh, the question needs to, to be asked of him, do you support this program? Are you concerned about it? Do you think children should be subjected to transgender treatments, even possible surgeries, even hormones can be irreversible in their effects? Is that your philosophy? Do you go along with that? Well, probably yes, because the entire military has been ordered to support that agenda. And he's at the very highest level, so we have to assume he's all for that. Uh, we also know offshoot issues like drag queens and drag queen story yeah. hours for, for military mm -hmm. children. There are provisions to stop those. And also, to this uh, young man was a digital ambassador for the Navy for recruits. And right. he cohorts around on the internet uh, in drag and switching between his Navy uniform and his drag costumes. And it's really quite bizarre. But he was, he was chosen by the Navy for this special program. And he was given that credential. And he's making the most of it. He's having a lot of fun. But is yeah. this the way we want to have recruits for our military? I don't think it's a very good idea. Uh, speaking of children, parents' rights, um, Representative Elise Stefanik, she passed an amendment last year and again this year to affirm parents' rights with regard mm -hmm. to the Department of Defense Education Activity Schools, D-O-D-E-A. This is very important. And uh, there's also a, a measure to say that there shouldn't be any and you can't believe this is really happening, pornography, pornographic materials unsuited for children in DODEA schools. These are minor kids. It's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, what you just said is important to emphasize to folks. We, you and I are having this conversation. I mean, I've known about you for many, many years and your organization uh, well before I left active duty. So I'm very familiar with you. I served for three decades and, we're actually having to have this conversation, you know, and you, you, I don't know if you heard about it, but at Laughlin Air Force Base, there, there was a pride parade that was scheduled to go through base housing, being led by drag queens and all I'm that stuff. Uh, and, you know, Laughlin Air Force Base is a pilot training base. So the Air Training Command, Air Education Training Command bases are very strict on following orders, much more so than when you get out in the wider Air Force. Um, it's it's like that for the other services too. Uh, when when it comes to this kind of policy, and and you bet those moms were going to be they were going to be forced to have this come through their neighborhood in military right. housing. Right, that's right. So when things like this have become so widespread. And you're right, I've been tracking this stuff for years. And in the Obama administration, that was the first time they had an LGBT pride event in the White House. Mm -hmm. And of course, we opposed it. Uh, Donald Trump and his administration, um, good news, bad news, he, he got rid of those uh, LGBT pride month celebrations. Problem is, he kept on board in the Pentagon advocates of that sort of thing. In other words, holdovers. 
And yeah. the holdovers really wreaked a lot of mischief during the Trump years. Now along comes Biden, and they have just gone all out with all this LGBT, and especially the T, the transgender part of it, aimed yeah. at children, drag queens. This this is a cultural issue. It's an incursion into the culture of the military. And I see this is this is why it's serious. Drag queens. It's not just funny. It's not like um, who is that guy, Big Big Bird or um, uh, Barney the the dinosaur. That's not it. Yeah. Here you have a person who is assuming the role of a woman, making fun of women in general. It does degrade women. It's an exaggeration of female features and dress and the like. And they perform, and often in many cases in front of children as well, mm -hmm. in a way that is demeaning to women. Now, yes. we wouldn't allow minstrel shows, okay? For a while in our culture, oh, those were popular. We mm -hmm. would never do anything like that in our current culture. But here we have drag queens making fun of female people in the way these, yeah. these minstrel shows were eventually recognized as being demeaning. So why does one allow, why is it continuing? And why is it not being questioned in, in, a, in a direct way? Again, the good news is it is being addressed in the current defense, this defense bill, and it'll be just the beginning. Uh, I wouldn't be finished until telling you that there's about eight different measures dealing with COVID uh, to reinstate people right. who, were, who were dismissed. Um, cadets at the at West Point and the other academies and, and U.S. Naval Academy uh, to get them reinstated, uh, to, to get a lot of people reinstated who were adversely affected by these extreme COVID mandates. It was, an, again, an example of taking progressivism to an extreme, even if it hurts the institution, it really yeah. hurt the institution of the military to discharge or not even recruit young people for the military or the service academies if they had not had the COVID vaccine. Especially I, when recruiting is so low, Elaine, you know, uh, we've got to take another commercial break here, but, uh, uh, but, I can't help but think maybe maybe folks that are not familiar with what's going on just think these drag shows are like what happens in New Orleans in the French Quarter, yeah. uh, where it's considered entertainment uh, more than anything else. It's but, entertainment, but, but it's, it's not. But it's not It's adult entertainment. Right. Uh, we're talking with the uh, Center for Military Readiness uh, uh, President uh, Elaine Donnelly, and this is the Rob Manis Show on More War Mondays. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I really love the towels. They're really great. They're super absorbent. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know we're having the biggest clearance sale ever. Get our six-piece towel sets for only $29.88 with your promo code. My towel sets are made with proprietary technology and include two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get our six-piece towel sets. Originally $99.98, then on sale for $49.98. 98. Now we're closing them out for only $29.88 while supplies last. Once they're gone, they're gone, so please order now. A situation and was just brought to my attention where a young woman in the South Dakota National Guard experienced a situation at basic training where she was sleeping in open bays and showering with biological males who had not had gender reassignment surgery 
but were documented as females because they had begun the drug therapy process. This 18-year-old girl was uncomfortable with her situation, but had limited options on how to deal with it. If she raised uh, her hand, she feared she'd be targeted for retaliation. She could have recycled, which would have delayed her freshman college start, and would not have provided a guarantee of a different situation. She could request uh, to leave the guard for religious purposes and not be able to pursue her dream of serving our country. General Brown, this is a challenging situation. If confirmed as the chairman, how do you propose to handle situations like this, which I truly believe may be impacting recruitment and morale by placing a disproportionate emphasis on gender-related ideology? Senator, one of the things I've, I've thought about in throughout my career, as you're being inclusive, you also don't want to make other individuals uncomfortable. And so there's areas, of, as we look at our policies and approaches and get feedback like this, we have to take a look to see if we can improve on our, uh, how we uh, approach situations like this. And as I've done as the service chief, as I've done throughout my career, if confirmed, I will continue to do so. Thank you, sir. Did you catch well, that? Well, did you catch back. what you just said? I did. He's I did uh, catch that. as yes. it is. Exactly right. I mean, uh, really, <laughs> I'm surprised that, I mean, well, when he said that, I just, I laughed out loud because he said, well, that's the way we do it, Senator, and we'll look at it, and I'm going to keep on just as I always have in my career. That That, that, that is the indication. Answer. That is the indication uh, of uh, this most senior general officer of the United States Air Force has no clue what time it really is in our society. Uh, and, and not just that, but even more importantly, in his armed service and the Department of Defense as a whole, uh, you know, when you go out and you talk to non-commissioned officers and enlisted men and women, they tell you, uh, and I just read a whole bunch of them a couple of days ago as I was prepping for this show, uh, they tell you that morale is in the toilet, Elaine. And, and, you know, I've got an Air Force base 15 miles from me. I can go down there and talk to any enlisted person at any rank uh, that, I, that I care to. Uh, and there are retired generals and colonels all over this, this part of the country right here. And they do too. And we get together every once in a while. And we are amazed that this man had a reaction like this because look, I was a wing commander in the air force. If somebody had come to me and said, uh, a wo young woman is ha being forced to take a shower with a person that says it's a woman, but he's really a man and he's got his genitals hanging out in the shower and she's in boot camp in basic training. Uh, my friends out in the, out in the audience there, when you are in boot camp in the United States military or in any military, you are completely uh, 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 controlled by your superiors and by the surroundings, completely. I mean, Senator Rounds was too kind about she didn't have any options. Uh, that is incredible. I have a daughter. I would never suspect no my daughter to that. And that's what he should have said. If yeah. I had a daughter, I would be yelling at me right now. That's what he really should have said instead of being this stoic, well... Well, here's the thing, though. I will give Senator Rounds credit for a very important thing that he, he did. He did great. He put this young constituent story on the record. This yeah. is the first time I have heard of anything like that being put on the record under the transgender policies. And th there's a reason why we're not hearing about conflicts like we're hearing in the civilian world you know what it is if you look at the dod regulations and i study these regs you see there's a gag rule in there i call it a gag rule but what it means is you cannot discuss problems with the transgender policy unless you get permission way up the chain of command yeah. therefore you talk about retaliation the young woman can't say anything her superior can't say anything and and if it gets up to the top where general brown is he's going to say what well, that's our official policy so you see why this this is why congress has to act and and it's it's encouraging that they're starting to go in that direction but boy have they got a lot of work to do they really have a lot of work to do but they're going in the right direction there's three more issues i just want to get in i don't know how much more time we have but i wanted to be sure and mention this we've got a plenty of, of time go ahead okay a lot of controversy about abortion 
Senator Tuberville is holding mm -hmm. up nominations because DOD decided to change policy and have subsidies for abortions. If a person lives, a woman lives in a state that does not offer abortions after the Dobbs decision, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of military bases are in such states, southern states, uh, then the DOD will pay all expenses for travel to another state, including mm -hmm. overnight uh, travel, hotel, the whole th thing, time off. Um, people who, who have leave for family bereavement and things like that, they don't get these kinds of benefits. I mean, it's yeah. it's really quite extraordinary, and it's it's really against the policies that have been passed by Congress. So Senator Tuberville is exercising the option under Senate rules and the rules say that one senator can hold up nominations. Now, the reason the Democrats don't try to change that rule is because they've used it themselves many times and they don't want to take no. it away. So they're they're screaming and crying about all of these, these officers, including General Brown, are not getting confirmed. And I do feel badly for the personnel, the families whose lives are being disrupted by this. But excuse me, Secretary Austin, the ball is in your court. It's up to the Secretary yeah. of Defense to fix this problem. He could fix it overnight with a snap of the fingers, sign a paper. He's the one in the wrong. Senator Tuberville is using legal options to stop mm -hmm. this. And there is an amendment in the House bill that prohibits the Secretary of Defense from paying for or reimbursing expenses related to abortion services. So that's that's important. Well, he's really going around the law prohibiting use of taxpayer funds to pay for abortions, isn't he? I mean, he's that's what this really is. He's yeah. violating the law he's, he's, by... Uh, there is by, a loophole. Uh -huh. the, the military will provide abortions only in cases of rape or incest. Okay. And if the services are not available in the state where the woman um, resides, then he's kind of stretching things uh, mm -hmm. to provide transportation. And I suspect this is going on for transgenders as well to get the kind of medical treatment that they want. We need more information. And we know that in many cases in the Obama years, the travel expenses for transgender surgeries were significant mm -hmm. to go to non-military doctors. So this could this is a big ticket item. It's also an offense to the morality of many people who, who yeah. don't think the military should be involved in the business of abortion for moral reasons and ethical reasons. So um, this issue is being addressed by this Congress. Uh, there's also a, a, an issue that's not just symbolic, it's about flags, un, unapproved flags. Mm -hmm. This started under Obama. Yep. The LGBT flags have now morphed into this uh, LGBT pride. I don't know, there's a, they've got extra stripes. And this is the one that was hanging from the White House when they had an LGBT pride celebration, mm -hmm. it was the center, which was a violation of flag regulations, right. uh, hanging in between the two American flags on the side, but the pride flag was in the center. So these flags are popping up all over the place. And this particular measure would say, but, well, Trump had it right. Um, Secretary of Defense at the time said, the only authorized flags American flag, state flag, POW flag, uh, things like that. Right. But not LGBT pride and other Black Lives Matter or anything like that. So that was the policy under Trump, but then uh, Biden changed it, and that's why we're having all these crazy things happen. Uh, then there's yeah, we had, we had a big demonstration for the entire month of June down here because the VA medical facility that I go to uh, in Biloxi replaced an American flag with a pride flag. Oh. Uh, you know, and you know what? All we said was, look, we all fought under one flag. It's the American wow. flag. Why are you doing this? Uh, it's mean they took the American flag away? took an American flag down and put it, yes, uh, there are four oh, American wow. flags outside of, at the gate of the VA facility here, which is also a national cemetery. Uh, uh -huh. And they took one of those flags and replaced it with uh, a pride flag. Uh, and veterans are up in arms of all, veterans of all, all races, genders. Be. It's crazy. Uh, I don't and, know uh, whether the the legislation that affects the VA, and I don't follow it closely, but mm -hmm. uh, certainly somebody needs to get after that and uh, stop that practice. Well, yeah. Uh, I, well, also, I personally see that as an anti-Christian hate symbol. Uh, well, that pride flag is. Of course, so, see, that, see it that uh, so, way. But uh, and, yeah. 
you know, the, these kinds of things are inherently divisive. Mm-hmm. Our military needs to be united, especially exactly. in the time of war. Uh, we don't need these kinds of symbols going on. People can do things on their own time. But in the military, even your own time is not totally yours, is it? No, it's not. Follow regulation. You can't wear patches on your uniform, LGBT flag. No, you can't do that. <laughs> but you know somebody's going to try if they have it all. Oh, they've tried. They've tried. Uh, we Even when I was in, they had pride flags hanging in uh, base housing that were that were American flags, but with rainbow stripes on them. Yes, uh, and I of course, we, we, yeah. we made them, we were able to make them take them down uh, because- yeah, There uh, has it, to it, be a limit. Again, yeah. why is this? It's not a matter of trying to shut down people's opinions. It's because no. the military, it's a different institution. It defends individual rights, but it must be governed by different rules. That's yeah. what our military is about. Uh, we wear people wear uniforms. Their hair can't be just any old way they want it to be, unless they're a drag queen. Is that the exception? Um, <laughs> these kinds of things have no place in the military because it is a different culture. It has different rules and a different purpose. Which which is why General Brown really concerns me so much yes. uh, because he, he completely embraced. Uh, Black Lives Matter, the Marxist organization and its tactics. He completely embraced critical race theory. He's completely embraced gender theory. Those are all cultural Marxist theories. Uh, uh, And we're not talking about teaching them to like future officers at NCOs about about what they are so they can be on the lookout for them. We're talking about indoctrinating American men and women that are going to lead the United States military that this is the way to be that the way to be is that white men are your oppressor and all others are the oppressed. I mean, yeah. that's essentially what critical race theory does. I really, I couldn't believe it until I yeah. actually read some of the works of uh, Ibram Kendi and uh, mm-hmm. Alyssa Wing. She was in charge of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the Department of Defense schools mm-hmm. uh, until she was exposed to some of her writings. In fact, I read some of her little booklets for the kids. Yeah. And they're full of this C- CRT ideology, entry level, very colorful, yeah. uh, very misleading, and anti-American. I mean, why would we teach the kids of military families and parents mm-hmm. that the United States is a racist country? So they they could go to their parents and say, why are you wearing a uniform? Why are you fighting for this racist country? I've learned in school uh, the United States is based on white supremacy and the Constitution and, and the Declaration of Independence. Well, you know, they're, again, on the House side, I think it's, it's Congressman Roy mm-hmm. has an amendment to ban the CRT that mentions the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. It's a very specific amendment, and yeah. it's in there. And let's hope mm-hmm. that it survives in the conference. I want to squeeze one more issue in here, and that's um, climate change. In yeah. the Senate, we have four amendments that, excuse me, on the, I think it's on the House side, that would limit funding for federal contractor disclosure of greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it prohibits the DOD from carrying out Biden's climate change executive orders. It talks about electrification of military vehicles and expresses concern right. about fires from batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that Congress is looking at. And finally, prohibits funds for advisory committees related to, have you heard of ESG? Oh, I've heard of ESG. Environmental, social, and governance mm-hmm. aspects. Exactly. Military. Now, we don't need an advisory committee to push ESG. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, ESG, no, we don't. look what happened to Bud Light. Look yeah. what's happened to Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't want our military to be ruined by the ESG mandates of people with a lot of money uh, to throw around and to manipulate people who who uh, subscribe to their agenda. And we don't need ESG to it's make up. it make the organization go woke because it's already gone that way because of the president's policies, his strategy, and his orders and everything. So well, we got to take we got to take one more break, Elaine. When we come back, uh, we'll show a, a last little clip of Senator Schmidt. I think he's talking about. Uh, recovering those COVID uh, men and women. Uh, And uh, I want to get your take on where do we go from here on this nomination. I'm Rob Manus. We'll be right back with Red Voice. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. 
Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. of policy. And so I'll ask you also, there have been 8,500 military men and women fired because they chose not to get a vaccine. If confirmed, what would you do to go out, not just they can reapply and there's a process, to go out and recruit these folks back? What would you do to do that? What would you do to accomplish that? Senator, if confirmed, I'd provide them the opportunity to reapply. I just don't think that's good enough. I heard that from uh, Secretary Austin. I just don't think that's good enough. We did a great disservice to this country by firing people because they made that decision. I think they ought to be reinstated with rank and back pay. I have not heard that from anybody that's come before this committee, and I'm saddened by that. I, I think I'm out of time, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Schmidt. Senator Duckworth, please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. General Brown, welcome to you and your family, and congratulations on your nomination. I really enjoyed our discussion last month. Um, I look forward to continuing to work with you on our military's readiness, if you are confirmed. Welcome back to the Rob Ada Show on the Red Voice Media Network. We bring you the facts and the truth. We're talking with the Center for Military Readiness President, uh, Ms. Elaine Donnelly, uh, who has been working these issues for uh, decades. Uh, but Elaine, you know, you saw right there, 8,500 military members that we have lost. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's just not the right thing to do to just go ahead and tell them, come on back in. Uh, we need you. Uh, when your recruiting numbers are in the toilet. I, I mean, it just amazes me what this, this man's reaction that's right. So, you know, you, it was sort of lackadaisical. Well, uh, Representative Banks, who's the chairman of the personnel subcommittee, he has an amendment in there. It requires a communication strategy regarding COVID reinstatements uh, in the process. In other words, go out and affirmatively seek to bring back people who were turned away if they are still willing to serve in the military. This is one of, let's see, seven or eight eight amendments having to do with COVID on the House side. The Senate did not address right. those issues. Um, but some of them have already been accomplished last year. Nobody expected that Congress would get through an amendment to end the COVID mandates in the military, but they did. And mm -hmm. now they want to go further. They want re reimbursement um, and reinstatement. Uh, there's even amendment to, to prohibit any sort of mask mandate in the military or on military bases, uh, studies about the immune response to young people when they got the vaccine, uh, what was the casualty rate uh, for people for whom it was not suited, but they had to take it anyway. Uh, all of these things are, are very good measures, and I'm glad that they're in there. Um, so we'll, I, we'll just have to see how this all comes about. Uh, yeah. One other bit of good news, uh, draft our daughters a battle we have fought for many years. Yes. It's not in the bill. This well, year, good. there is no call to draft our daughters. And while we're on the subject of women in the military, women in combat, on both sides, there are measures to say that the Army Combat Fitness Test, which is a tougher test, right. women have not gotten through it. There've been so many injuries. They tried to make it gender neutral or sex neutral. Mm -hmm. Work because of all the injuries among the women. So then they said, well, we'll have sex normed or different standards for men and women. 
Well, the new measures, and they tried, they attempted it last year, but this year they just might get it through all the way. Uh, it says that in the combat arms units, the infantry, the armor, artillery, mm -hmm. special ops, um, you can have higher standards, and you should have higher standards because the demands are greater. <laughs> yeah. And it's not limited to sex neutral that needs to be different in the combat arms. Now, the Presidential Commission on which I served on women in combat back in 1992, we wrestled with this issue and we came up, this is our recommendation. You can have sex normed or gender normed standards in right. basic pre-commissioning, entry-level training. Otherwise, you'd lose a lot of really good women in the military. Okay. You get down to those MOSs where physical strength really matters. It is ludicrous to, number one, expect women to be the same as a man, carry the same burdens. And it's also unfair to the men if you don't train them to the, to the level they should be trained because they can handle Absolutely. it. So, Absolutely. So uh, this is a positive step in the right direction. I credit Representative Waltz. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton has been on this issue as well. Uh, the Army is resisting madly. They can't stand this idea. But if Congress passes an amendment that forces them to act, then it will take yeah. a new president to have a coherent policy, not just women in combat, and then try to pretend that standards can be sex neutral. No, mm -hmm. they can't. There needs yeah. to be a coherent policy that allows women to serve in many of the positions they are in now, which they hadn't before, right. but you cannot have sex norm standards in the combat arms. So well, that's well, yeah, I mean, on that. if you if you do it that way, then you can't say 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 that women continue to be able to serve in any job, and if you do it to a sex norm uh, 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 standard, then you don't know where the limits are in peacetime when you're training, so that when you get to wartime, you're going to face.